Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. We're here. We're talking. It's Thanksgiving week. You probably, you guys are maybe even hearing this, like, on Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's th- yeah, Turkey Day. Yeah, I mean, uh, this will come out, and people don't always listen right away, so you'll, you'll probably be in your holiday, uh, you'll probably be half asleep, lying down, very full of uh, try the... What's the thing that's in a turkey? Triglyceride? No, that's not in a turkey. <laughs> tri- Isn't that what's like in... Bombs? Bombs. Yes. <laughs> tri- tri- uh, Nitroglycerin is what you're thinking. You're thinking of tryptophan. Tryptophan. Yes. Neither of the thing. The first thing you said isn't a thing, I guess. <laughs> Nitroglycerin is, is what's in bombs, yeah. and tryptophan is what's in turkey. Don't you feel like... Don't trypt- eat the first one, eat the second one. Don't you <laughs> think that tryptophan could be something that, like, Steven Seagal had to, like, get out of a, a lair in, like, a 1992 movie? The tryptophan mines are yes, too high. Yes, exactly. You need to get that out of the bomb right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's definitely possible. All right. Um, There's our tangent. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome <laughs> to the Masters of Modern uh, Podcast. So, so speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, we are going to talk today about how we are ungrateful for all the reprints and how we think modern is too expensive, but maybe not. Yeah, exactly. That's today's episode. The so pr- yeah, modern's at an all-time. It's actually at an all-time low. Yeah, it's most, the in, most inexpensive modern has ever been. Uh, right off the uh, right off the back of the modern PPTQs. So yeah, it's not like having a modern deck is irrelevant at this point. Um, we are not currently in modern season, and we are currently at the lowest point Magic generally gets to because of the Christmas season. Yep. Uh, people are wait- saving their money to buy people gifts, and Magic singles aren't very good to buy gifts for because. I don't know if you've ever had to try and get your mom to buy you a magic card you want specifically for your birthday or Christmas, but I, I have never been successful at it. That's not true. Once I was, but I think she once bought, I wanted a playset of four. Um, Wasteland. Wa- no, not Wasteland. Uh, mm. Sinkholes. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. My, I was like, Mom, get me 4X sinkholes at this website. Here's the link. And instead of buying me four of the least expensive version, she bought one of the 4X, the one that had four available at the store. So it, it was labeled 4X sinkhole, uh, and that was the foil promo. And at that point, it was like way too expensive. And I like yeah. luckily <laughs> caught it because they sent me an email, and I like called them. It was like, no, 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 wait. That's so <laughs> funny. Channel Viral was very nice. They helped out. They they canceled <laughs> the order, and uh, my mom redid it, and it worked out. That's uh, adorable. My, the new plan was my my plan generally, and if you want to do this for Christmas, create an account on Channel Fireball or another, you know, what your favorite card store. Fill your cart. Fill your, your cart with your login, and then give your login to your parents. <laughs> yeah, it's a good move. Um, though now I think something that Magic is doing really well, and maybe we'll do uh, this is again a tangent, but it's Magic-related, is they have seem to have focused this time around on creating multiple things that would be good to give as gifts for Christmas. Right. So like the From the Vault set coming out before Christmas makes total sense to me, and I don't understand why they never did this before. Right. Because that's like a semi-expensive item, but I would if my parents bought me From the Vault... Um, Transform. Transform, I would be all about it. I'd be very, very thankful of it versus and, – and before that was kind of the spot, and we talked about this before when the Commander set came out. This is kind of where Commander decks used to live, where those are also really good gifts to get someone for Christmas in Magic Land. Um, but this they also have the new game that's coming out. There's like from the – there's Rivals of Ixalan, I think, is a, a like multiplayer variant that is coming out next week. And there's Iconic Masters, and there's a box of Unglued. So there's a lot of really different, wacky, giftable stuff coming mm. out um, for Magic. So maybe that is really with the intent of having a cool Magic Thanksgiving moment. Um, so that's maybe the point of what's going on there. Yeah, so, um, so uh, with that in mind, uh, there's mm-hmm. quite a bit to talk about in today's episode. Uh, we are going to talk about modern and why the prices are at an all-time low. We're going to talk about the release of Iconic Masters and how strange of a promotion strategy it was. We're going to uh, kind of break that down um, and, uh, and some other things. But before we do, uh, I want to remind everybody here, there's a couple of quick shout-outs. We'll try to rattle through them here. I know you guys probably uh, just want the content, but uh, follow us on Twitter. That's the first one. There was a poll. We put a poll up about this, and we had 3,000 votes. Yeah. So you get to see real hard data if you go and follow the Twitter, which is at the MMCast. Alex, uh, where can the folks find you? I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. We have a Facebook group that has been growing at a crazy rate. Um, I think it's like tw- almost 2,500 people now. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah, 25 people. Uh, and... 
Kesco, the company that I started, and we make board games and spring summer toys, and we'll be promoting the spring summer toys soon, and that's in February. But right now, uh, we came out with our first game. It's called Super Party Battle, and it's basically just magic meets uh, King's Cup. You're playing party games and recruiting different like students on a college campus to throw a party, and there's you know ones that they get uh, bonuses and plus one plus one if you're doing a robot dance, or there's another one where when you cast that, when you bring that guy to the party, everyone draws two cards and discards cards unless they sing a song. You, there's like different cool fun combos that you do and i highly recommend it it's at thinkgeek.com you can find it in the little googly doo the the part on the podcast description um and definitely check that out buy it play it i'm not one to play goofy games that aren't just magic and competitive formats but i played this and i really enjoyed it and Uh, i had a good time good (laughs) i would say that getting you to play a game that isn't competitive magic has been one of the more difficult things i don't think i've ever been successful (laughs) i think i brought you to a werewolf game with like ruben bressler and like multiple alexander champions like like, yeah yeah and you like in the first round just like hated it and we're like i'm a werewolf and then they killed you and then you were like i'm gonna go talk and eat chips in the corner <laughs> by <laughs> myself handle it. uh so yeah so so definitely check that out uh and uh make sure to check out 10 minutes of modern it's every day on the anchor st- ben's anchor station that i sometimes show up on and it's really great it's, it's growing a, it's really quickly technically the official anchor station of this podcast we only it's talk not, about it's modern not, it's not technically it is yeah, well, you just said Ben's station. It's not really just my station. I well, mean, but like you're like I run it. Yeah, but yeah, 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 for sure. So, but yeah, it's modern content every single day. Uh, it's available on the app. It, also, I'm, I've been pretty good now. Every few days of taking the last two or three days of content, turning them into individual podcasts and putting them up. So there's there's a solid month of backlog now. And uh, that you can get on the iTunes podcast store on any of the iTunes cool. places. Anchor just keeps making their stuff more and more readily available. It's a growing app, actually. They got twelve million dollars in investment pretty recently, so they're just going to keep blowing up, and you guys are going to keep hearing about it. So it's a good time to jump on. Also, there's a contest which we talked to you guys about last week, and my goodness, was the response crazy? Uh, the the stipulation was you had to download the app and call in with your favorite card. We got almost five hundred call ins in like three days. Um, crazy. People were really excited because we're giving away a Foil Snapcaster, Foil Leon of the Veil, Foil Scalding Tarn, and Foil Tarmogoyf um, each to, each Friday in December leading up to Christmas. Uh, and, I, and, and the deal is all of the participation in call-ins are going to be leading up to December 1st. So you have to do it in November to be entered in. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because we mentioned the Facebook group. We also have a Patreon, which is how we bought this recording gear we're talking to you guys on right now. We bought a camera. Yep. So we're gonna, we're gonna start both. Both we got one camera from the Patreon, and then my company is buying a second camera, so we'll be able to do some dual camera action. There's gonna be some video um, content upcoming. So we're gonna do video content. So just you know, we really appreciate it. It's very helpful. It makes it so we can make this podcast happen. Um, so the deal was that if you uh, called in and, and subscribed to the station, you had to do one of the other three things as well. One of them was join the Facebook group. One of them was donate a minimum of a dollar to the Patreon, and the other was leave an iTunes review. And uh, just a quick reminder to anybody who did call in, you have to do one of the other three things. If you just download the app, it doesn't work. So when I call your name to win a Snapcaster Mage, if I find out at that point that you haven't done the thing, you won't qualify. So make sure you do one of the other three things unless you already have, which is great. Right. And and something that we added to the Patreon, for a while we had this thing called a swag box, and the problem we ran into it with is that we're not creative enough to come out with cool items that were affordable enough to be able to give away uh, that were related to the podcast-related magic in any way. So we changed it. Uh, it's now just you get it. It's for $30, so it's less expensive, and you just get a random Kess, uh, which is the toy company that we're making, and the games that come with it, a uh, random thing from that. So if you want to get Super Party Battle, that could be something you get, or we're getting these cool balls and and, um, fans and other toys that are being sent out. So that's a, another available option. And so, other games that are being designed that yeah, are really cool. You so, get ready. Kickstarter um, February 2018. And the very last and final shout out, guys, is that Collected.company is where you can find this podcast and also where you can find the Command Zone. That's our sister podcast, Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai. They also have a, a show called uh, Game Nights that they do. They work with us at the Coast On, which is really cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great show. So check that out. Check out their YouTube channel. Sweet. All right. Now let's talk about modern. Let's talk about it. They've reprinted a lot of cards. 
mm. over the last six years. In fact, there's now what I feel, and when you look at Iconic Masters, I think there's multiple factors going into Iconic Masters being a weird kind of reprint moment. But you know, there's an argument to be that there's a little bit of also just fatigue. You know, we've this is the second Master Set this year, so this is the first time we've had two uh, Master Set in one year. Was on Eternal Masters this year? Modern Masters three was this oh, year. Eternal was last year. Yeah, last year. So, so we now have almost six different Master Sets. This is two in one year, um, and I feel it. And you know, the 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 word on the street is that the draft format is fine. It's nothing special, but it's not. It's a fun format to play. Um, it's kind of a weirdly branded product. So who is Iconic Masters really for? You know, Modern had a direct play. Eternal went for Commander and Legacy players. So there's not like a direct market that Iconic is advertising to. And then last but not least, they spoiled the whole set almost two months in advance at an event in a weird way. And there wasn't the normal buildup that people are used to. So the hype train kind of feels like it didn't exist. Like I know a lot of people that didn't know Iconic Masters was coming out until it was literally on their doorstep. Yeah, definitely a weird decision. Um, it was it was one of those things where the way they advertised it when they announced it in the first place was that we're going to spoil this whole set and it's going to be at this this anniversary weekend. And the only way you can see the, the set right when it comes out is to play at the event, right? Well, the weird thing about that was because that they had never done that before, once it did come out that weekend, you kind of felt like it wasn't a real magic set. Like almost like the, you guys just did like a special set of reprints that you were only making available to this one group. That by the time it actually came out and was available, it just didn't feel like a real magic set. It didn't have the. It, it didn't. I don't know. It, it's something about we've just gotten so conditioned now to to expect the spoiler season when the cards release and the pre-release and everything. My, like Iconic Masters felt like it had kind of come and gone in some ways by the time it even released. Do you know what I mean? Right. The spoiler season had been such a long time ago and everything had happened that by the time the cards were available, it was like... Well, there wasn't even really a spoiler season because people got to play with the card they wanted to do, which is cool. Like, uh, on the other hand, like, I, I appreciate Wizards trying new things and they want to do definitely. new stuff. And, like, and I'd much rather Wizards attempt exciting different ways of showing us new content than doing the same thing forever. So the fact that they tried doing a mystery box where you don't get to know what's in the set and you get to draft it at Hascon, which is this big event, and then that's kind of how they released the product is cool. I think the big mistake here was not releasing the product two weeks after that event. Right. I mean, because by the time it actually came out, it felt like a set that had already been out. Yeah. It I like kind of forgot my hype and excitement about the set coming out already. I was like relatively unclear when, it, when Iconic Masters was actually coming out. Mm -hmm. And and now, especially because Unglued spoilers are happening right. too. So like, I, I, I was very reticent to buy. I bought one box of Iconic Masters because I'm doing a big draft-a-thon this weekend during the Thanksgiving break. Uh, with, uh, But the I was a little worried. Like, I kind of don't want to buy it. I wish I didn't to some extent because I want to buy a bunch of unglue, uh, or, uh, un, um, Unstable. You just want the lands. No, I want to I want to draft a ton of unstable. That format looks amazing, and I wouldn't mind making like actual constructed unstable decks in that format because I think they've done really cool creative stuff. It looks like mm. Future Sight too. <laughs> so like, there's a reason. You know, the uh, I'm more excited about that partly because we're in the middle of spoiler season for that. Every day, cool new cards get shown up. X was released yesterday, and he's sweet. I get to put him into your hand and cast cards from your hand. <laughs> X, what's that? He's the he's one of the spies. He's a blue black legend. Oh, and, and, oh, oh. And is, is the sneak card legend of sneak? <laughs> or whatever no no it's just x is his name and so what you do is you can put him in the play he's a 2-2 two, two for for two and you can pay x some amount of mana and it puts it in your opponent's hand oh. and for five mana it reveals their hand and for five mana you can cast a card from their hand for free okay that sounds fun yeah so it's like a wacky card but it's like cool so like I, I i think the timing of when iconic masters came out this time around seemed seemed like a mistake and i don't know if you want to come out at hascon because that's also when rivals of ixalan is coming out so when do they really time this correctly yeah definitely definitely was a weird choice so whatever though it was a cool idea i was glad that wizards tried something something new and interesting i think the more notable thing to point out here is what you said which is there's a fatigue um it, if you look at the the modern price history i think there was a sense that some people had that you know what like there's no way there's no way the depreciation ever lasts because it just always re has re has always rebounded. But there's a statistic I heard people talking about where Mero on Drive to Work was talking about there's a, there's been a downturn in player base. No, th that's so that's a vague misconception because he clarified it later. So his post said that there are, are 12 million active Magic players, and classically the statistic is 20 million is what yeah. they've said in the past. But uh, what he clarified was that there are. 
there are 20 million Magic players, and that statistic actually hasn't gone down. If yeah. anything, it's gone up a little bit because of that's why they're releasing so much new product. And Magic is the only the gaming division is the one growth division in, in Hasbro. Right. Um, but the 12 million number is the active Magic players. So those are the people going to card stores. Those are the people that are actively playing versus like the 8 million on top of that that are like kids or in and out people or people that just like draft once a month. Like the, there's a different level of, or once a month is maybe too much, but like play yeah, casually. Yeah, yeah. There's I, like 8 million casual crowd and then there's a 12 million beyond that. I wonder how many... I, I feel like I, I have to feel like there's more than 20 million players. They've been saying a number around 20 million, uh, upwards of 20 million for years. And yeah, but anyway. 20 million is a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. So, uh, most, most cities don't have 20 million people in them. So uh, that being said, there, th- th- this idea that we would never see a long-term depreciation to modern prices was really fueled by the fact that after the fifth reprint set, the prices had stayed pretty consistent. There, I don't there know was, if that's true. I mean... Like uh, so, a saffron Oliver, and we're going to be talking about this as we get into it uh, more and more. Is it did a recent kind of breakdown of uh, the price of modern, and if you take the top twelve decks in two thousand fifteen, the the average price of the top twelve decks in modern was a thousand dollars. Now it's eight hundred dollars. So like, that's a twenty percent reduction. Which is pretty significant when you really look at it. Now, you know, we'll get into the poll in a second that we did on, on Twitter and, and the, the poll's basic response is that it's still too expensive, which is fine. And the professor, I have some quotes from him that we'll, we'll also will establish from Tulare Community College. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, if you really want to look at it, it's less expensive. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny to me when people are complaining about too many reprint sets because and how it's made modern you know and, and maybe it's not made it modern cheap enough but like five years ago every th- people are just like why aren't there more reprint sets reprint every card why did this set not come with all of these cards reprinted in it and now there's this complaint of reprint fatigue which is frustrating i would imagine <laughs> yeah for sure um you know what do you want do you want more sets that are reprinting cards i think the best answer i saw though was I think they need to up the uh, print runs of some of these master sets. Oh, you and, think so? And maybe lower the SRP. Okay, so you think that they they need to lower the print one run and increase raise the imprint print increase the print run, oh. lower the SRP. But th- wouldn't that? No, no, no. I don't think that's a good idea. I think that just floods the market, makes it even worse. What? Because you're because oh, yeah, you're right. saying well, when you, you s- say it's worse, what do you mean? Because because right now the world is arguing that it's still too expensive. But I just I don't. So I understand that that's the opinion. The, the, the opinion, by and large, is that it's too expensive. But oh no, you're making me the one that has to argue that it needs to be cheaper. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> I don't. I don't think like like modern getting cheaper doesn't make magic better. Modern getting cheaper makes standard worse. And standard is the format that people need to be able to play. Pe- standard is the format that people need to be able to buy into if they want to get into magic. Like modern is well, an stan- expert level format, so it should take time should take time to be able to afford getting into modern and also there are cheaper options in modern if you want to get into it if you want to do it for a budget and you're committed to it like well, I'm there's not somebody- also there's also like a buyer a buy-in moment where if you had bought affinity when modern started and you love playing affinity you have you bought a I think I have it here actually affinity in 2015 was 700 bucks. So say it was 700 bucks on the maybe 600 bucks when the format started. For 600 bucks, you've now had a deck for six years. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, all right, so people people are complaining that it's still too expensive, but let's be honest here. Just because Tarmogoyf's not as good of a card right now as it used to be, you can buy Tarmogoyf's online for $54 right now. Right. That card was $185 at one point in modern. And, like, t- and that was a serious barrier of entry for multiple really sweet decks because Tarmogoyf was kind of the classic card that let shored up your weaknesses. So Beer Burning Coco, a great example, where Tarmogoyf for a long time was just... My deck is good because I sometimes just have Tarmogoyf on turn two right. and and can just win with that way. And now that is an available option to many people. Death Shadow, which is arguably a better version of Tarmogoyf almost, is significantly cheaper than Tarmogoyf. It's like a $12 card. Yeah. So like, there's no... The, the 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 real complaint I think is that just the next Masters Modern 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 Masters set just needs to reprint the Fetchlands again. I, I think mean, that's where everyone is kind of like even the Fetchlands. No, no, no. So back up off that for a second. The okay. Fe- okay, Scalding Tarn is fifty-seven bucks. You can Correct. buy a Scalding Tarn for fifty-seven dollars. You can buy a Verdant Catacombs for thirty-seven. 
Arid Mesa is 30, and then Misty and uh, and the Misty and Arid Mesa. Did I say Arid Mesa? Red, red, white, and blue green. You can get for under thirty bucks. You so get think, a playset online for hundred dollars. I think people's complaint is that you shouldn't have to spend two hundred dollars on a playset of anything in modern. That's what I think people want modern to be at, or anything you're required to have a playset of. This is I'm now quoting Twitter and what people have said. So like from that perspective, that's not ridiculous. I mean that you know sixty cards. If your deck needs sixty cards in them, and each one's going to cost you fifty bucks. That's really expensive. Right now, off? that's not true, but your mana base... The mana base being such a huge barrier to entry to everyone, being less expensive is probably a net gain for modern if you keep the other staples more expensive. I would say, right offhand, just off memory, the, the 10 most expensive cards in modern-ish are Scalding Tarn, Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, Liliana of the Veil, Chalice of the Void, Engineered Explosives, uh, Noble Hierarch, Cavern of Souls, maybe like Through the Breach... And Karn or something like that. Like I feel like that's probably ish. In, in I might be off by like a card or two. I just got like pretty pretty like down the list where I don't think that you're going to be playing more than two or at the most three of those cards in a deck with as playsets. I, I legitimately don't think that modern is too expensive right now. I think the fact that most of those cards I just named. So let's just take the four. Like let's just take four of them. Uh, Scalding Tarn at its peak was $110. It's 57 right now. Tarmogoyf at its peak, 185 It's 54 Sure. Liliana of the Veil at its peak, 110 That card's expensive. It's like 58 bucks, 60 bucks. Snapcaster Mage right now is, is, the high, is almost as high as it's ever been, and it's not even $50. So for the price of a, a – the average price of a top 12 modern deck, I can buy a Nintendo Switch and four games. Because the average I, price is seven hundred bucks. Yeah, eight hundred. Okay, if so, if you were to cut out the top two decks, I wonder how much cheaper it gets. Um, I don't have the way to do that math. So <laughs> thanks a bunch. Um, burn is five hundred. I can go through. I can go through the ones listed in Saffron's article because he, you know, the, you can find this article. We'll link it in in the page. It's on mtggoldfish.com. Uh, Saffron Ol- Oliver does great content. Uh, let me go through. Uh, Affinity is at six seven hundred. Yep. Burn is at five hundred. Okay. Uh, Tron is at six hundred. Yep. Jund is at sixteen hundred. Yeah, that's expensive. And I don't have Storm or any of the other ones. So Storm's so, not that expensive, I can tell you right, right now. Because Storm doesn't you don't need fetch lands in Storm. So that that's kind of the point is that you can get down to five hundred, six hundred dollars if you cut out some of the maybe the top top ends of that, if you take out outliers. Yeah. Uh, even then you can buy a Nintendo Switch in two games. And those two games are Mario Odyssey and Wind Waker, or not Wind Waker, sorry. Breath of the Wild, which are the two best Nintendo games possibly ever. <laughs> Wait. By the way, on a separate note, that's a ridiculous statement, and it might be true. <laughs> the which one? Uh, Breath, Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Had, and Nint- the Nintendo Switch released four game or like A class titles this year. Two of them were Breath of the Wild for Zelda and Mario Odyssey. Both of them scored perfect tens on every single review website. They're that good. They're like both considered two of the best games Nintendo has ever made, and they came out with two of them in a year. This is a weird tangent, but yeah. Breath of the Wild's that good? Yeah, it's insane. It's it's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Like, as somebody who doesn't really play games anymore... No, like, you'll love this game. Like, because you could just literally just do anything you want. Really? And it's like, sim- it's not like Skyrim, where there's like, you feel like there's just slog that you have to go through. You're just like, oh, I want to go shoot that thing. You, you just can go do that. Or, like, you see a mountain and you want to climb it, you can just go climb that mountain. And then there'll be, like, a dragon on top. Or there'll be something on top of it cool. <laughs> and how do you win? Uh, you have to collect four... There's, like, four t- temple beasts that you have to, like, climb up and get the thing and defeat it. And there's a boss. And then you have use those to make it easier to beat Ganon. And then you just beat Ganon because it's a Zelda game. Sweet. And yeah, it's good. I recommend this game to everyone. Also, Super Mario Odyssey is sweet. You get to be a T-Rex. Cool. He has a hat that he possesses people with. It's kind of <laughs> messed up, but whatever. All right. So back for a second. Back so to magic. Now, so, but but the point is, is it's annoying because I was the one on your side. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just did the thing again where you interrupted me with nothing to say. <laughs> mm. No, I had a plan, but you you had my hand. You up? raised your hand up, okay, and so yeah, I'm not yeah. letting you talk. So the other reason that I think um, people need to chill about modern getting <laughs> cheaper than it is now is that if you did buy in at one point, 
you're you already have lost money on your cards. You probably have lost money on your cards. Not a huge amount, but you've probably lost twenty to thirty percent of your investment at this point. And that's just on their face value retail price. Sure. Not what you'd actually get trying to resell them. Now, that's not encouraging for people who want to buy into modern. If if the the idea is that with more reprint sets, the price will continue coming down. Modern's like golf. We always say that. If you bought your golf clubs and a year after you bought them, just golf in general was worth a lot less money and you knew that if you ever wanted to sell them, you would not only lose 30% on your investment, but you would also just lose the fact that you'd be reselling used. Like, you don't want to buy into something that's expensive and know that what you're what you're buying is eventually going to be worth half of what you paid for it. That's not a good feeling. Well, in golf, that's true, period. It's not like you there's resale value to golf clubs. Yeah, okay, it's a bad example. But <laughs> but you, I think you understand my point. And I, think, I think there's an intent with Magic that one of the reasons things are expensive is because there's value to resell them. Well, no, that's also that if you buy into Standard, you expect you're going to lose money on your cards, probably, because it's going to rotate. But that's sure. why Standard is... You can buy into standard by buying a box of cards for a hundred bucks, and you can get a lot of what you need, and you can trade what you don't need, and probably for a few hundred dollars for well, like right, a- right now a, a, a modern or a stand the standard standard deck <laughs> yeah is around four hundred dollars. Okay, but like here's the other thing, it, <laughs> which which by the way, if the if you take out outliers at least in this list that we're looking at, and you just look at the prices, and they're around five hundred and fifty dollars average here. Yeah. That's only $150 more than the two best and the most important two decks in Standard. So saying that Modern is too expensive when Standard is at the state that it's at, like classically when we did this poll, and I'm going to get to it eventually, most people answered Modern should be twice as expensive. A, a, a mid-tier good Modern deck should be twice as expensive as a mid-tier good Standard deck. And that's we're better than that we're you know the that's we're currently only 20 percent 40 percent above a standard deck and in that universe you're pretty well off now the difference is that a swing in modern is much more worse for a player much more much (laughs) yeah sure uh so for instance I'm an Infect player. I invested in Infect. Now, it's kind of coming back. So, you know, Infect's doing some, yeah, doing sure. some stuff right it's a good now. Deck, yeah. But uh, there was a, a six-month year, six month period where basically I was screwed because they banned cards out of my deck and while printing terrible cards for my deck to exist in the format. Right. You know, it, it, if, I, if I am a tier one grinder, and there's an argument here where these people are fine, but if, if I'm the person who, like, I invested in Splitter Twin – banned out from under me. and then i was like you know what okay i'll ban uh, what's the next pro tour of the pro tour oh this uh eldrazi deck one i'll just buy all the cards right now because i don't have a deck anymore right oh this is the worst uh, oh my card my deck's banned okay uh all right in fact fine i have a lot of the cards for that already i'll buy in fact oh now it's banned like right there is a player me being one of them that has invested consistently in just a good deck and then those decks keep getting banned out from under me uh uh birthing pod i had birthing pod I bought literally all the pieces to Storm on Moto two days because I was in Hong Kong. I remember this, and I had nothing to do in my hotel for the seven days I was there. So I, because I was working, so I bought both uh, Pyromancer Ascension Storm and um, the what's the Kiln Fiend deck, and, and then they banned Get Probe the next day, uh. literally within twenty four hours. Um, so you know there is a level of there's a frustration to players who have invested consistently into modern and they keep having their deck banned from them mind you storms back and is possibly the third best deck if not the second if not the first best deck in the format yeah uh, uh infect is back it's now once again in the top 10 you know keeps top eighting seg events um not to mention, if I had Splinter Twin in my, if I had the cards for Splinter Twin, the most expensive cards in the deck, Snapcaster Mage, Scalding Tarn, are still two of the most played cards in the format. So that my real investment, if I had maybe, maybe if I put down and like found foil Splinter Twins and foil uh, uh, Deceiver Exarchs, and that right. was more expensive at that point, and now they're worthless, I think I think I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, I think the bottom line here is this. Um, Coco replaced Birthing Pod. Like every deck that's had a card ban has had a replaced moment. Sorry. The bottom line is this: like, all right, you want to buy into standard, it's going to cost you four hundred bucks for the best deck. And if you want to play a second tier deck or just maybe one of the top few that's not the best deck, probably you can do it for three hundred dollars. Like in most standard formats, that's about usually what you can do. There'll be the crazy expensive deck that plays all the planeswalkers and fancy lands. But so here's the deal: 
in the world, I, I, I recognize that everybody's financial situation is completely different. Sure. And 300 bucks can mean nothing to someone, and it can mean months of work for another person. But the bottom line is, if you set your sights and you say that I want to play standard, and I'm going to spend $300 to buy into standard, and right now I have $0, how much time do I need to get $300? I'm going to set my sights on it, and it's going to take me a month or two months or three months, and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to But do after three months trying to invest in standard – the deck changes or the format changes. So the deck you've been saving to buy into goes away. So what I was going to say was if it costs you 300 to buy into standard, but 500 to buy into modern, I would feel so if I had to work hard for that money to get into magic, I would feel so much better buying into modern than into standard because I know that in standard, I'm going to lose that money after 18 months. Yeah, if you, if you spend three months of trading, investing and buying into Merfolk affinity, or if you have a higher budget, Jund or Grixis control, you're going to be able to play with those cards for five years forward. Well, it took me three years to get my play set of Tarmogoyfs, and I bought them at the 120 price point, you know, or I traded for them. I think what, my first Tarmogoyf I opened from a box, the second one I got because a friend that we went to Comic-Con with opened it in a Modern Masters draft, but then couldn't pay for his hotel room that we were splitting, so he gave me the Tarmogoyf instead. <laughs> so like, Which now is like worth so much less than it was. Yeah, but at the time it was worth <laughs> yeah. more. If I sold it, I could have gotten like... Yeah. It was, you know, it was Modern Masters 1, so it was still like 150 bucks. Yeah. So, like, you know, there's there's layers of, you know, it takes time to invest in that deck. But now that I have my place at the Tarmogoyfs, I can play Jund. Right. I can play, I can play Junk. And I've that like, card could easily go back up in price. So my, my point is just to, to wrap it up, to put a bow on it, mm -hmm. was that... I don't think you. I don't think we should want to see modern drop that much further than where it is now. Because if you do, it really starts to devalue the stable economy, the secondary economy that Magic has supported for so long. And if that if that secondary economy starts to be that wild, where you can see a drop in something that is a hundred percent, like something can go down that far. I mean, not a hundred percent. That's the incorrect term. But like, if you can expect to see something drop that much, then the faith that people have to buy into it really, really, really plummets. And it actually makes the long-term idea of this magic being this thing that you can trust just goes away. Right. And I, I don't think it's good for the game. I, like the, the other thing to remember is the purpose of modern more than anything yeah. is to allow – the reason Wizards it, it supports eternal formats – and, and modern exists because of the revert the, the reserved list issue. So you know the problem with legacy being what modern was is that there was a lock on prices because of the reserved list that made it an unaffordable format for most people. Modern exists to provide value for rotating cards from standard. Modern exists as a format. The purpose that Wizards did it was to create a format so that me spending money on my standard list every year and it rotating, me, there's a life for my cards after that. There's a reason for me to keep buying into cards in standard because Wizards doesn't make money on modern. The place they make money on, and we want Wizards to make money. That's, I think, another like contention that a lot of people have. A lot of people pointing at Fantasy Flight because they're really successful with their living card games where you can buy every single card just straight retail. And... Fantasy Flight is not nearly as successful as Wizards and doesn't come out with the same level of kind of uh, attention that Wizards does per product. Think about how much magic stuff coming out this year. That happens. Think about the fact that we're, we're now going to a world where they're going to recreate three to four worlds a year. We're going to Dominaria next year. We're going to Ixalan this year. We're getting a core set. We're getting, you know, all of this attention and effort and this story team that they're hiring comes from the fact that they're successful and they're selling as much as they do and they do that in standard. That's the place that modern they make the most money is because they need to sell packs. And the reason modern exists is to make it so by me investing into standard or me buying packs or me drafting, though money the money I spend there can lead to me having a modern collection. Chandra, uh, the four mana Chandra that has four abilities. That's a modern staple. Yep. You know, the, me having that card is good. Uh, the new green Merfolk will, will if I get a place out of all of those plus some Coppolas, that puts me XYZ closer to making modern Merfolk. I, especially right. if I even invest in the tribal land that came out because the counter ability part of that is not that important. You know, there's there's a layer of they want a format to exist that allows your cards to have a home after it rotates out of standard. And standard needs to be a way it does, and there's issues with standard as we know. But the point of it is for modern to have value. They want their, your cards to be valuable in modern. And if the modern is less expensive than what it's at right now, that loses it. That that goes away. And I don't think it's ever going to be too inexpensive just because of the fact that the point of this format is for people to put money into to hold. 
you know, it's kind of the blue chip stock area. So you want people to be able to say, uh, it took me 10 weeks to invest in this modern deck, but then it's mine forever. Right. This doesn't go away. I get to keep playing it. And yes, bans happen and yes, formats shift and that'll just always be an issue. But even if you invested in a deck that is now worse because of the format changing, something like a counter company that like just hasn't done super well recently, that deck is still something you can play at an FNM. That deck is still something you can play against friends and be competitive. It's not like you're getting smoked by decks. It's just it's the 5% it needs to win a GP is slightly less than it used to be. Same as Infect, same as Burn, same as Goblins, same as Smallpox. Like There's all these decks out there that you can invest in and have fun with, and that's what Modern's purpose is. Right, and I think I mean there's there's like there's a lot of factors that you can look at if you really want to try to figure out is what what's the health of moderns you know of, of moderns uh, buy-in like, and I think it's it's no better evidence than something like Path to Exile, which right now at seventeen Modern Master seventeen Path to Exile is seven bucks like it's seven dollars that card's been seven dollars for I can't even tell you how long sure it's been between seven and eleven dollars through every single reprint. If that can hold price, like then we're doing okay. That, and, and, yeah, it's 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 when it's when a card like I bought two copies of Horizon Canopy uh, over the summer for tournaments, mm-hmm. and I spent sixty and seventy on them. It's thirty one right now. Now, it's the first time the card's seen a reprinting in Iconic Masters, and the generally speaking, the the trend on this sort of thing is that right at the reprint time, prices drop about 30, 30 to forty percent. And they Take raise up. back up over the course of the next six months. Sure. That a year from now, any of the cards that have just seen their first reprinting or even second reprinting will go back up to close to what they were, and sometimes more, even more. To than give they you, were. Just to give you a little bad news, Yeah. Uh, Iconic Masters is at Walmart and Target. So it's being overprinted. It's not overprinted, but it's printed at a level that it's at Walmart and Target. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for my Horizon. <laughs> Which is bad good decision. for what we're talking about, but it, you know, or or good to make the format maybe that a little bit cheaper. I I, I think, and, and I'm going to read off the poll now because I think do that now before we get into the thing. So three thousand people voted in this poll, which is insane. Fifty one percent said it was way too expensive. Way too expensive. Way too expensive. Thirty-seven uh, percent said it was slightly expensive, okay. which I think is like probably the the ten percent said it's in a good spot, and two percent said it's underpriced. <laughs> Those people are trolls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're all they're all me from different accounts. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think I think there's an argument to be made if you get rid of underpriced. And slightly expensive in a good spot are relatively comparable. I think those are people that are just like, we're vaguely happy with it. It could be slightly less expensive. It, it's it it maybe isn't a good spot. I, I would say it's fifty one percent to forty seven percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're, you're now. You could argue that it's eighty eight percent people think it's too expensive to ten <laughs> percent think it's not, but um, it, it it feels like we're in a good spot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that this is. My argument is just that I don't think it needs to get cheaper. My argument is I think this should be the floor. This should be as low as we watch modern get. And and like I said, it's evidenced by things like Path to Exile. Or you go, you look at like just the price of most of the staples that have been around that people play with like a pretty high consistency that have seen a number of reprintings. Those to me are the cards that really determine. So Reman's five bucks. It's a five dollar card. I think it was over ten at one point. It was eighteen at one point. But yeah, yeah, that's too high. You don't want your uncommons to be eighteen dollars. Sure. Not your four of uncommons. Right. But it's not a one dollar card. Mm-hmm. It's five bucks. Which I, means if you need to be able to buy a place out of these, you're gonna spend twenty dollars right now. Like right. that's acceptable. And I think I think there's an argument to be made that modern should uh, you said this is the floor. I think this should just be where it's I think floor is a strong word, because that means it it's too low. Like this is the bottom. I think this is a safeish place for it to be. I, I kind of fall within the thirty seven percent where I think if I could do one thing it would just reprint uh Zendikar Fetchlands consistently. Like I don't think that I don't just don't think it's necessary. You're literally talking about two of them. One's fifty seven, one's thirty seven, and the rest of them are thirty dollars or less. Yeah, but it, it's it's a barrier to entry for the format. Like they did that to shocks. Like Shocklands got printed into the ground, which is good for modern. I would say modern is in a better place because they reprinted Shocklands into the ground. And I think if they did the same thing for Fetchlands, I mean, like there's a whole argument that Fetchlands should be banned, and that has much more to do with gameplay, I think, than pricing. And a lot of people respond positively to that because of pricing, and I think that's the wrong reason to ban something. Um, but I think that from a price perspective, th- reprinting them to the point where you can afford them, because that's like 
That way, anyone can build any mana base they want if they want to. And you you keep the lands like Horizon Canopy. You keep the more expensive lands. You can keep some of those wackier ones more expensive, to be totally honest. But having fetch lands and shock lands be cheap and so that you can always build your mana base. And then your cute ways of interacting with that mana base or what costs you a little bit more money, maybe, seems like a good idea. I think... Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, not Horizon Canopy. Um, burn walls? Nope. What's uh, the card you're talking about? Uh, tribal Land. Cavern of Souls. Cavern of Souls. I think Cavern of Souls should also be cheap. I think those that that's the other one that I think is like a huge barrier to entry to people, and it's a barrier to entry for kind of all of the cheap decks. If Cavern of Souls was cheap, then I don't think anyone would ever complain about the price of Modern because you could buy into Merfolk, you can buy into Goblins, you can buy into Elves, you can buy into Humans, you can buy into Slivers, you can buy into... All of these different tribal decks, that is what the entry point to a format should be. I think a monocolor entry deck, you know, a monocolor tribal deck is a great place for new players to go to. They're easier to build. It's easy to understand what you're doing. It's a great place for beginners. And Cavern of Souls being a $50 card, I think, is a real barrier to entry to format. And so there's specific cards I would target. And they're really mana base dependent. And if we get those to be less expensive, I think the rest of the format kind of fixes itself. Okay, so I don't I don't totally disagree because if you start to compare the price of a bloodstained mire or of a wooded foothills to the price of a scalding tarn, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like you you shouldn't have three different red based fetch lands and one of them is sixty and one of them is eighteen. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um the ideal price then on a fetch land for you is what, eighteen dollars? Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. You yeah. think that a hundred dollars for a place out of any fetch land I think is a totally fine place to be. And if you were gonna play eight of them in a deck, that the fact that your mana base starts at two hundred bucks That's fine. And that's the, gonna be the probably majority of the cost. I think of your I think deck. your a mana base being three hundred bucks. But the point is, is that with with that two hundred dollar investment or thousand dollar investment, I now can play any color combination I want in modern offers a lot of strength to it. Plus, uh, generally you want, like, you could get away with three, three, and three, and you could have three Scalding Tarns. Say you're playing Just Guy, three Scalding Tarns, yeah. three Hollowed Fountains, which are like $12 to $15 each, yep. and, th- and and two Arid Mesas. That's a mana base, that's a fetch land mana base that's going to be totally fine. And you don't really need more fetches than that unless you're doing something specifically with those fetches. So now let's talk about the future. Okay, we've talked a lot about the past. We've talked a lot about the right now. Is it triple strike? No. <laughs> what about last strike? Are those in the future? Because they're sick. Did you see them? They're cool. <laughs> triple strike last? Oh, from uh, is that from? Uh, it's your, from your un- silly uh, yeah. silver set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a it's a total bit like it's funny because this this set definitely has Morrow's tumbler helped make this set effects to it because yeah. uh, last strike has always been something people have asked for trample on a spell. Okay. Spell trample. And both of those are mechanics that like once they're printed here, feel like now they could make them and they look great. I want I want trample bolt. Okay, back to the back to the top. <laughs> so so let's talk about the future. I also want so, effect lightning bolt. That'd be sick. That would be sick. Kind of like uh with a wither lightning bolt. Yeah. Uh, puncture bolt, is that what it was called? Is that a thing? Is that a card? There was the wither lightning bolt. Oh, okay. There was or I think it's I think it was called puncture bolt. All right. Uh, technically I think it would be shock. Yeah, I think uh, let's just puncture blast. A red and maybe? a colorless for uh, two infect damage. Puncture Sounds blast sick. is one red, two colorless, instant puncture. It's it's, it's three t- uh, creature or player with wither. Yeah, but okay. But you want it to have you want it to have infect. Well, if it's infect, it needs to be two mana. Yeah, and it's and two, it does two and two shocks. for two. Yeah, because wither would be too strong. But yeah, sweet. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, again, I want to talk about the future for a second. Sure. So um, if you're buying in right now. Let's pretend we look at magic, we look at the price. And, and I looked at the prices of a lot of the, the top cards. I looked at the where they peaked. Um, it, the, all different places. There's, there was, there's not a consistent place that most of these cards have fallen off. Because well, most, most peaks come when there aren't printed in a master set. Like Snapcaster Mage's highest point is when it wasn't reprinted in Modern Masters 2. And it was close to $100. Um, yeah. Liliana peaked at about $110, $120. It's probably the same moment. Um, Scalding Tarn peaked right within like that March 2014 fetch peak when all the fetches sure. went through the roof. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's different. There's a different place where each of these cards went. And, and a lot of the time it's because, yeah, it didn't see a reprinting. Sometimes it's an artificial spike where a place like Star City raises their price on something by $20 and everybody acts accordingly. Um, but my question is, currently we're seeing Modern and it's lower than it's ever been. The trend would be that after six Master Sets over the course of four years, that another two years of this and Modern is going to be even cheaper, Right. Because there's not that many modern cards. They're not going to print staples at a higher rate in new sets 
that become unavailable to devalue the state of the format, right? Like there, there, there isn't enough cards that can get printed in standard that are not readily available that we're going to have more options that are hard to find. Really, we're dealing with this one pool of about 20 to 25 cards. So the question I ask you is, over the course of the next two years, is it smart to buy that mana base you're talking about right now? Is it smart to buy into modern? Buy all the staples. Buy your $50 Tarmogoyfs. Buy your your uh, you know Snapcasters at 45 Buy all of your Misty Rainforest at 26 Like, Is it smart to just buy a place out of everything that is somewhat ubiquitous in modern right now? Or is it going to be cheaper a year from now? Well, A, we get a modern Pro Tour in four months. Okay. Less. Two so months, so it, it's, it's safe to assume that by February, everything that we're talking about will be at least 10% more expensive than it is now. Correct. Because the modern Pro Tour will happen, and then immediately after that, modern PPTQ season starts. Like, right now is the bottom of the market. Yep. Um, especially with Iconic Masters coming out right now. Now, that I believe there's another Master set coming out next year, so there'll be there'll be a second one of those. But but for now, we know that Iconic Masters is, has lowered the price of the market. Plus, this is the cheapest time Magic is in general. So now is a time to buy modern staples. Um, and it really comes down to the question, Wizards is going to keep reprinting cards. Yep. That's going to keep happening. So the situation that Ben found himself this summer is always going to be happening. If you're like, It's not going to stay $31. It'll go up to 50 probably. Right. If you're looking at Scapeshift and you're like, oh, man, I really want to buy it, but it has never been reprinted. It's super expensive. Scapeshift will be reprinted within the next 18 months, period. Right. I will bet one copy of Super Party Battle on it. Um, I'll bet a Scapeshift on it um, to you, sir, that it is reprinted in 18 months, and okay. which is a lose-lose for me. <laughs> um, and... Like, that's true of everything. You know, when a card looks like it hasn't been reprinted for a while, Wizards realizes that and is going to get it to market. The chances that Curse Catcher isn't in Rivals of Ixalan is so low. <laughs> um, or reprinted in some other format soon. Like, the, the, the Jace Vrinch Prodigy reprint being in the Transform set was so likely, even though people thought it wasn't possible. It's like, these things are going to happen. So, right. so the, the real moral of the story is, if you're investing in Modern to have a investment collection... As true for all magic things, don't do that. <laughs> right, invest don't, in the stock market. Get a four hundred one k. Yeah, for like, sure. Don't so don't buy in right now because it's a good time financially because you think you'll make money. Yeah. Best case scenario, long term, if you bought right now and you wanted to resell two years from now, if you got every dollar you put in right now, that would be great because you don't right. usually get to buy. Which and I resell. think is more likely. I, I I do think like every card you buy right now is going to be reprinted in the next three years. So okay, so then to just just to again paraphrase or rephrase the question, there are some cards that we expect Wizards doesn't want to be expensive long term that aren't lands. They're like cards like Chalice of the Void, where long term we probably think they don't want they they don't want engineered explosives to be fifty five dollars. They don't really want that. Sure. And you can expect long term because that's not a card that's played as a four of in tons of decks, and that's why it's expensive. It's it's expensive because it's played and From it's unavailable. The vault X. <laughs> you can expect that buying into that card right now, not a good idea. However, is it a smart idea to buy into a playset of, of Zendikar fetches? Because if you plan on playing Modern and Magic for a long time, you probably won't have a better opportunity to get those cards cheaper. Yeah, I'm not sad that I own a playset of fetches or my Tarmogoyfs are now... You know, I could buy them for 50 versus 150 or my Liliana's that I bought at 90 when they were in standard at 90 because or my you're not selling them because I'm playing the with them because the point of me owning them isn't to 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 have a finance collection. It's because I want to be able to enter a tournament and be able to not only play the deck I want to play, but then supply two of my friends to be especially you <laughs> <laughs> supply them with cards that they would need to be able to play you know uh, uh, i have a list on my phone of thousands of pictures of just friends that i went to gps with with them holding the cards they borrowed from me because i'm glad that i'm able to provide that service to them and the fact that i was able to play the deck i wanted to play and uh, that's why i'm investing in modern that's why and my collection is larger than most people's which it should be because i have a modern podcast but if you're Play, planning to invest in modern because you want to be able to play it and you want to have a full set of fetch lands because you want to be able to pick which deck you want to play depending on the environment or you want to be able to switch between Grixis, Jund, and Junk depending on how you think the format's looking and what's going to be the best version of that deck, then go for it. Yeah. 
if you're doing it because you think this is a place to ha- you know have a a stable relationship with your finances there's a real world side of finance that you should be focusing on. It's also never, ever, ever, ever smart to spend money that you are nervous about spending on magic cards. Sure. Because it's just, it's got a 25 year successful and stable secondary economy, but it's a card game. Right. Like that is owned by Hasbro. And that's a company that is interested more than anything in aggressively making money for their portfolio of investors and their board. Like it's not, they're not, the people that own Hasbro don't look and say, like, we want to see Snapcaster Mage at this price, but it's at this price. That's just not what they're paying attention to. They're not going to, that's not why no, they're in it. They're, 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 they're looking at what is the best way to cultivate our player base so that we can consistently show profit and, and do well. And, and they're and, interested in making more than they spend always. That's right. what it's about. So that's not going to, the value of your collection is not going to be on their radar. That's, it can't be also because there's legal reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> and th- that's not, what we're not saying is don't invest in modern because I think that's a little bit what it sounds like we're saying. What we're saying is, is that modern is a stable place to put your money into if you're looking to play it. Like, yes, agreed. Like, if I were to pick, if I someone asked me, "Hey, I'm new to Magic. Should I play Standard, Modern, or Legacy?" I point at Modern 99% of the time. It's the reason we have a podcast about this format because Standard is volatile, and half the time it's not fun. The other half of the time it's uh, uh, expensive, or the other half of the time, the amount of time that this person is going to need to take to invest into the deck they want to play, it rotates, or it's different, or the format makes it bad. You know, if you invested in energy a year ago, great. I'm happy for you, but 99% of the time, that's not how the magic standard environment works. If you are a legacy player, the problem with legacy is just not enough people are playing it. Like it's yeah. a it's a thousand dollar to two thousand dollar investment into the format, and you're not going to get to play it more than once a week. If if you're lucky, yeah. I don't think I know of a store in LA that fires eight man legacy tournaments once a week, and this is the second largest city in the country. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's played less than it used to be, and. But modern, there are weekly modern tournaments at every store I've ever been to. There are, there's a pro tour. There's a entire season of PPTQs. You know, there, there's consistently a way to find an outlet for modern. And if I bought a deck tomorrow, I could play the deck forever. Right. For sure. There's not a single deck in modern that I can think of that you can't go play at a GP right now, even ones that have bans. Amulet Titan, you can still play. Eggs, there are eggs decks out there. Now, yeah. there are decks that i would avoid being stuff like eggs or lantern or storm in general but storm has survived seven bannings (laughs) so like even the decks that are like ridiculous that they're still around have survived dredge is still a deck you know so like in pick a deck invest in it that you love playing make sure you test it out beforehand make sure you like that deck you know the proxying the deck up before you start investing it is a smart move and then slowly replacing your proxies with real cards and just have fun with it i mean that, that's the point that's why we play magic is to have fun and play the esper mill deck that that got 14th place at the uh, scg baltimore classic this last weekend right like have fun like play weird decks if you're not <laughs> going to gps regularly which 99 percent of magic players of that 12 percent, 12 million active magic players i would bet two million of them at most play at gps <laughs> regularly it's i think i think the correct statistic is 10 percent. so if there's 20 our, our tournament grinders yeah. but of that 10 percent, i bet like one percent is actually traveling to gps regularly yeah like, like 20, most magic like, players like, that play at gps are nearby like a hundred thousand or less right so like you can have a fun deck. You can have a fun modern deck if you want to go that route. If you want to be a tier one deck and you just want to win, which I totally understand, they're Merfolk, Affinity, Jund, if you want to spend more money. Like, all these decks are something that once you buy into it, once you buy into Jund, you're set. They could ban or yeah. unban cards for the rest of time, and Jund will still be a deck you can take to a tournament. Jund is bad right now, and it's still top 16s and top 8s, GPs, and SEG events. It's just a good, it's just a good deck. Because good cards. it's 55% against everything. <laughs> and sometimes Junk will be better, so make sure to get your green-white lands. <laughs> but, like, right. uh, you're just always going to be safe. So, like, it, it, it's really... The, the difference between and, and really the last thing is the Nintendo Switch comparison, uh, which I had an argument for, but then you put me in a position to argue for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I use the it's a, it's a, that's from the professor. That's his quote is, yes, a Nintendo Switch is less than a modern deck, but a Nintendo Switch plus a Wii U is not. And I've had the most of my modern decks I have had. I've had longer than both of those Simpsons combined life cycle. The yes, a Nintendo Switch is less expensive than most modern decks, but a Nintendo Switch plus two games that I'm done playing. I've beat Mario Odyssey and I've beat what uh, 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 
Zelda Breath, Breath of the Wild. Of the Wild. And I still have to buy more games. That's one year of content. I have played Jund for five years straight. I have played Fish for four years. I've played Tron for three. Like These are decks that I've had forever and have lasted me much longer than that those games have. And that's $50 every six months yeah, to my, be able to do that. My argument would be you should buy into the Modern Lands now. That would be like base level, the thing I would say. At least, at the very least, buy into the ones that are thirty dollars or less. Like, I mean, just buy, yeah. Buy every every thirty dollar less fetch, Shockland, and buy four Cavernous Souls. Yeah, like it's if you don't want to spend sixty bucks each on your Scalding Tarns, and you don't want to spend forty two on your Virgin Catacombs, I get it. Like, it, it does multiply. It's an extra. It's an extra almost sixty bucks if you want to focus on those instead of the others. But and I realize arid mesas are not played as much. I don't care. Buy, buy your mesas, buy your buy your marsh flats, and buy. You know how you know what the difference of quality of life is between having a scalding tarn or an air mesa play in just guy because it's like one percent. There's like one percent of the time when you're playing against the blood moon and you need to be able to fetch a blue land versus a white one that that difference is really relevant. And like most of the time, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that would be my vote. Uh, if if you're thinking about what to do and you're looking at the prices, do it now. Like it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Even if you only have a little bit of money to spend, buy buy two each of three of them. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's just it's just worth it. It's they're they're cheap. You can the price of a flooded strand right now is fifteen dollars. The price of a of a misty rainforest is twenty six or twenty eight. Yeah. Like that's crazy to me. One of those was in standard kind of recently. Uh, uh, misty rainforest was a hundred dollar card three years ago. Yep, two years ago. So it's now a twenty-eight dollar card. All it's going to take is one season where there's a teamer deck, or or there's a or there's a or in more fact, likely, wins another GP, <laughs> or or more likely than a teamer deck. It's going to take one Sultai season where there's a crazy good Sultai deck all of a sudden. Well, in fact, blue green. I mean, like the reason in Misty Reinforce went down is in fact stopped being a deck, and it's back to being a deck. So yeah. pay attention to that. Um, For sure. All right. So. Justice League. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, favorite moment, least favorite moment, something you wish they did differently, something you wish they would keep doing. Okay, so this is a spoiler review. Yes, uh, spoiler review of Justice League. So thanks for listening to the show. Yep. If you don't uh, want to hear about Justice League, you can turn off right now. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at the MMCast. I'm at Kess Wiley. At Ben Bateman Media. Make sure to buy Super Party Battle at thinkgeek.com right now. Go if buy it. you saw Alex's eyebrows just now as he was doing it, uh, so yes. many, So many eyebrow raises. Yeah. I'm doing it now. You can hear it in my voice. Um, so that's the thing. And to join the contest to get free modern staples yep. on 10 Minutes of Modern. Uh, join it, subscribe to the station, and call in with your favorite card, your name, and do one of the other three things we mentioned at the top of the show. We'll, lo- we'll, we'll, we'll love you extra, extra much if you either buy Super Party Battle, donate to the Patreon, or submit in the ways needed on the contest. We're just giving away free modern cards. Yeah. It costs nothing. So get in, get in on the action. Justice uh, League. So Justice League. So favorite moment, least favorite moment, thing you would change, thing you wish they did more of. Um, give me one second here, just to think about it. Just put all my ducks in a row. Okay. I I, I caught. We didn't plan this. I'm just. It's surprising, but the amount of times me and Ben actually see a relevant recent movie at the same time is lower than I've always expected. Like you still haven't watched all of Stranger Things, right? That's not a movie. But like it's a yeah, cultural yeah, I didn't watch, moment. Yeah, I, didn't, so I don't have that. You haven't hours. watched. You haven't watched last season of Game of Thrones. Nope. Yeah. So that's like, more surprising. Yeah. But so so here we are. Yes. Both having seen Justice League and both relatively disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I was less disappointed than you. Um. But I favorite. Don't know if that's true. I wasn't disappointed. I thought it was going to be bad, and it was decent. <laughs> favorite moment in Justice League was when Superman shows up at the end and hits Steppenwolf, and the reason is because it was a big fist pump moment of like, man, this guy's strong and powerful and like he's so hard to beat. And he, we even have Diana. We even have a god who's just like trying to fight this guy and they can't take him down. And Superman shows up and you're like, yes, Superman's stronger than everyone. He's the best. That's what he is. I'm so glad Superman's here because he's going to save the day because he's Superman. And they saved that moment till like very late in the movie. And that was great. That was probably my single favorite moment in the whole movie. Uh, my favorite moment was when they resurrect Superman. Spoilers. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and they're all fighting him, and they're all kind of getting their ass beat. And then the Flash comes in. And at this point, the Flash has never seen anything on the planet that lives in the universe that he lives in. And he's running at him to fight him, and then Superman just turns his head at the same speed that Flash is running at. And it's, like, vaguely terrifying. And it's definitely... 
that was an iconic moment from any movie ever. Like that's something that hasn't really existed before. Yeah, you right. have this moment where a person who has existed on a plane of reality that is so much above everything else, and he's facing a thing that is a god for all intents and purposes, and this thing is now at his level, and he's yeah. just like, oh, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. I agree. I like that moment a lot. Um. All right. Worst favorite. Uh, least favorite moment is probably. There's this like conversation that like Aquaman has with Amber Heard for a second underwater where like you're just watching and you're just like what the hell is this like this is one of those things where you guys needed to throw like way too much backstory and context to set up a future movie and like why is Amber Heard in this she's in this for like literally three minutes uh I didn't understand what they were talking about and it just seemed really melodramatic um I don't know that just probably was the moment that I was just the most like this is stupid to me uh I think my least favorite moment is probably the like it's kind of your favorite moment <laughs> uh, I think how much of a win button Superman is in the final fight bothered me that he's just so much he's just so like he good. just like it it the point of the Justice League coming together should be that they need each other to be able to beat a bad guy. Not one of them can defeat this thing on its own. And this movie does a lot to make it feel like, oh, no, just Superman could have beat if Superman was not dead in the beginning. And I guess they needed the Justice League to bring Superman back to life. Yeah. Uh, though really, you only needed Cyborg and the Flash. But uh, the the fight with Superman at the end or the Superman showing up at the end and just being like, oh, I just win good luck like if you watch the justice league cartoon by bruce tim the first justice league episode is a, a the the white martians show up and they take and they invade earth and they take over or the original justice league they fight against the thing that can take over people's minds it's a giant it's the the giant starfish right, right, right. um and those are villains that not any one of them could defeat you know the giant starfish can mind control superman so you need the whole team to be able to a get the mind controlled superman no longer mind controlled so that they can fight the other mind controlled people right and superman can't kill those people because they're real people so there's like a limitation the white martians there's an entire army that invaded the the planet so superman can defeat one of or a thousand of these martian mechs but they can't defeat all of them steppenwolf's one dude with three boxes and like really all you needed was cyborg and superman and you could have beat it no problem right because you needed cyborg to hack the mother boxes and you needed superman to pull them apart and you need superman to punch what's his face until he's dead so just punch (laughs) so from that perspective, that's my least favorite thing. That's fair. That's a fair thing. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your What's the thing you wish they did more of, and they keep doing? Gal Gadot being Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that <laughs> and, one. And, and Ray Fisher as Cyborg. I liked him a lot. This is the tail end of this movie, and I, I have a very love hate relationship with Superman. Apparently. Uh, I liked how likable Superman was. I think my second least favorite thing is one like it's annoying because my favorite moment is that Flash moment. But yeah. no kid who watches this movie isn't terrified of Superman forever. Yeah, he's really scary when he comes. When back he to comes life. back to life, he's scary. And the last three movies, he's not fun. He's not likable. He's a mopey lion. <laughs> I like legitimately feel like I still feel like the only Superman thing so far in this entire universe we needed was the second and third trailers to Man of Steel. They're like <laughs> <laughs> the second trailer, Man of Steel, is so good. It's like such a good trailer, and the third trailer is also really good. But the second trailer to Man of Steel, the one that starts with the Gladiator music at the beginning, and Diane Lane being mm-hmm. like, "Listen to the sound of my voice." Make the world small. This this whole movie universe is so weird because it's Zack Snyder. It started off of Man of Steel, and Man of Steel is Zack Snyder making a Zack Snyder movie in the universe of Christopher Nolan's Batman. Yeah, right. He's trying. And, yeah. and neither of those styles mesh at all in the first place because Christopher Nolan is like hyper real. What is Batman like if the world exists? And Zack Snyder is Watchmen in 300 where everything is this glorified slow-mo, super CGI. The clouds are dark and misty and then explosions make everything red world. And so like those don't go together. <laughs> right. And if you add the layers of just DC and Warner Brothers just consistently chasing after trying to make people happy. And if you talk to any artist or any person who's made art, their general statement is you don't, if you try making art for your fans or for the reviewers, you're never going to make good content. You have to make art that you think is good and then hope people like it because you're always just going to be chasing people. You're not going to make anyone happy if you try making people happy. It's kind of, you have to be, do the thing that you think will be good and then people will like it. And, 
you can see that where like Man of Steel, then they did it with Batman vs. Superman, and then Batman vs. Superman was the mess it was, and then in the middle of editing Suicide Squad, they decided to make a hard veer away from what Batman vs. Superman was trying to be, which was like a super serious all the time, no funny thing, and so they like transferred it from a serious dark movie to a comedy, and it ruined the movie and made it awful. I think Suicide Squad's the worst DCU universe movie, and then you get into... Then Wonder Woman like lucks out and ends up being like this gem, and they're like, "Okay, we need we need to change it to be more like that and yeah. funny." So let's change Batman vs Superman to that, and or Justice League to that, and then like it just makes the whole thing kind of a mess. So, so I, yeah, so yeah, I agreed. I it's still I would say it's worth seeing. It's fun. I didn't hate it. I I liked it actually. I mm-hmm. thought it was above average. It has a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, on the subject of Man of Steel, by the way, uh, on Action Movie Anatomy last week. We did a review of Man of Steel. We actually had my friend Sam Levine, who is a competitor in the Schmodown, um, and was Neil in Freaks and Geeks. I don't know if any of you guys watch Freaks and Geeks, but he's one of the main characters. Um, He was on as our guest, and we talk about Man of Steel, and we do a whole breakdown. So go find that on the Popcorn Talk Network, or you can listen to it as a podcast, Action Movie Anatomy. But those are my thoughts, and uh, we talk a lot about Thank you for your attention. Uh, So anyway, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. That's a long show today. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. We uh, love you. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Super Party Battle! Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.